I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Joseph Finn. And we love to watch. We love to watch the best movies of last year. Happy to be here. It's like he never left. This is the time of the year when movie critics like like us, because we're all professional movie critics, like to release their top 10 uh, movies of the year. And so we're going to go through our top 10 list. Uh, not of this year, because we don't like people that just are like, oh, it's December. I know we need to list. I want to rush mine out real quickly for like page views or listens we consider ourselves uh serious film people who like to take time take reflection moments and really consider what we actually think the best movies of a given year are so we're gonna do because we respect movies so much uh we're gonna do our top 10 movies of 2015 i think it's a brave move uh i think that it's gonna carry the format forward i think it's going to get people to start thinking about things and say like oh why would you compile a list for movies that you just watched in the past six months let them sink in guys let them sink in if you're a critic listening and you're like oh shots fired good i hope that's the message you're getting from this and not that we don't have time to see all the movies we want before december this (laughs) is this is purposeful this is we're doing this with meaning, and it, I hope you see two middle fingers coming out of your speakers right now. Yeah, soak it in, Pitchfork, putting out your <laughs> tops of the year today. Even though technically okay. your number one was a great pick, and uh, Solange's place at the table is a fantastic album. Good choice there, guys. Yeah, Pitchfork. Pros and cons headed right your way on your <laughs> list making. That's a pro in one hand, a con in the other. Yeah. Yeah, great selections, but tone it down a little. I don't know. It's a saying. It's the new motto of the show. Fuck science and research. A pro in one hand and a con in the other. We love to watch. This is the worst version of Night of the Hunter ever. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, no. So we're going to make this an annual thing where we're going to do our list uh, one year late uh, where no one cares, which will make this our least listened to episode every year. Uh, but actually, you know, it, it is true. Like it takes a little bit to, you know, it's not till April and May that a lot of times I've caught up on all the movies once they get released to DVD or on demand. And so, uh, you know, by June, when I kind of have my list finalized, no one wants to talk about it anymore. So this is a perfect opportunity to, uh, go through our definitive top 10 of 2015. Are we going One serious uh, note about this is that the interesting thing about putting this together is I actually had to look at what movies came out in 2015 and thought about, like, which ones actually stuck with me in the past year. Because 
there were plenty on the list that I was like, oh, I loved when I watched that. And then I thought about it recently or I rewatched it or whatever. And it did nothing for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, my list is, is all stuff that has stuck with me in the past year. And I've probably rewatched in 2016 even. Yeah, as much as we joke about it, I do think it's a useful exercise. And there were some that I had, you know, had on my top 10 list that uh, I submitted for uh, Joseph's wonderful thing that he puts together over at the Dissolve at the end of January that were, you know, completely removed. Where it was like, yeah, it's a good movie, but I saw way better things in the few months after that was submitted. So, Yeah, I mean, I literally did a little bit of rejiggering on my list uh, before we started filming. I'm like, yeah, taping, I mean. I'm like, yeah, you know what? No, we're filming, too. uh, uh, Oh, whoa, whoa, there's a camera. Oh, my God. (laughs) Look up to your left. Look up to your right. (laughs) Those ones are both completely empty. There's the real one you can't find. Yeah, don't look for the real one. (laughs) Um, So, uh, let's, let's, uh, we'll have our guests go first. We'll start at number 10, and we'll just go around. We'll go, um, we'll go Joseph, uh, myself, and then Peter can, can round us out. Alrighty, uh, my number 10 is probably the earliest in the year of anything on our list, I, I'm going to guess. Uh, my number 10 is The Last Five Years, starring Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan, the adaptation of the stage musical, which I actually saw in its original production uh, up in Skokie, Illinois, about ooh, 15 years ago now. Fabulous musical uh, that takes place, uh, one of them starting at the end of a relationship, one of them starting at the beginning of the relationship, and they meet in the middle and then diverge again over five years. Wonderful piece of work lovely songs uh not everybody loved it but i think it's a damn fine adaptation uh anna kendrick really really good in that i love that <laughs> i love that our whole point of doing this was now we've seen everything and joseph's first pick is something i haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> i recommend it to every, I, I recommend it a lot i think i think it's a lovely movie that uh, really nails a lot of stuff uh jeremy jordan if you only know him from like i think he was on glee and smash he's really good in this as a uh he's not an evil man but he's like kind of a guy who's partially at fault for the marriage falling apart spoiler um and partially not it's a really interesting piece of work uh well no i'll definitely check that out um i um i'm a big fan of musicals i am not so i won't check it out and i don't take your word for it joseph <laughs> all right uh, i can't i cannot wait for musical monk that cannot <laughs> soon enough next year uh my number 10 is I'm on um, every episode <laughs> Uh, my number 10 is one that I was probably the most bummed I didn't get a chance to see it in theater in 2015, and that is Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Um, I don't know. It would probably be in the bottom half for me of uh, Quentin Tarantino's filmography, and the fact that it's still in the top 10 of the given year that it came out is uh, telling how strong his filmography is. It is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, it goes places that you don't expect to go. The camera work is amazing. Yeah, I really like some of the big surprises that take you from the first act to the second act and the way everything plays out. It is uh, it is fantastic. It's good, but I don't think top-level Tarantino for me. It's number 22 on my 2015 list. Yeah, for me, it is it is also my number 10, actually. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this could be an interesting <laughs> list. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing for me because even – bottom level Tarantino and this isn't really like I wouldn't say bottom level uh bottom level Tarantino is still unique p- 
piece of work that I think needs to be seen and, and challenges audiences and challenges what your perceptions of what a movie are is. And like even the, the weird narration bit in the middle is something that I heard people talk about again and again and again. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally, totally on board with throwing this in my top 10 because I think this is going to be a movie we're still talking about like 15, 20 years from now. I feel a little bad that I think I'm the only one of the three of us who saw it in the theater in the 70 millimeter roadshow. Oh, I saw it in the I saw I saw it in the uh, seventy millimeter roadshow. Yay! High five us. Yeah, it was at uh, I saw it at the music box, and it was crazy. I've never seen the theater so full. It was it was an amazing experience. I actually I'm actually really looking. I did miss it in theaters, but I am looking forward to rewatching it because I feel the last time I saw it was April, and I think I watched it again soon after that in May. I think considering what a political film it is, I'm very interested to watch it after the events of the last six months. I think it's one that I'm going to have to revisit fairly soon. I've seen it uh, once since it came out. Um, I think it might bump up in my list a bit if I rewatch it again. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I didn't respond to this to it at the time as much as Tarantino's that I've loved more. But it might be something I just need to watch again and see if I respond to it better. I put Django as like a mid-tier Tarantino movie when I first saw it. And then every other time, and I've now rewatched it like five times, and Django is my favorite Tarantino movie. I think it's my uh, second favorite after after Pulp Fiction. I, I, I'm going to put Pulp Fiction in its own separate categories. Like, that is so the Tarantino Tarantino. And say after that, it's probably Jackie Brown for me. Yeah, Jackie Brown's great. I mean, honestly... You know, his worst movie is is like a few notches down from his best movie, in my opinion. So you're just debating centimeters, not inches or feet when you talk about his film. So right. Unless yeah. you want to unless you want to consider Death Proof in a category of its own. Yeah, I would. I even love Death Proof. So I, I, I love even Death Proof I too. like it's it's a I like the experience even. as a whole. Um, but I, it's just different than like what he's doing in all his other movies. But right. that's a debate for a different time. Uh, Joseph, you're number nine. Number nine is The Duke of Burgundy, a movie that uh, kind of took the art house, uh, art house theater circuit by storm back in 2015. It might be technically a 2014 in the country it came out, but fuck it, it's a 2015 for our purposes. <laughs> uh, it, spoiler, it will be a 2015 for my purposes later on. Hey! <laughs> Just a lovely story about a woman and her uh, girlfriend or maid or whatever. They're, they have this weird relationship where it seems like they're both testing the limits of each other. So you're never quite sure who's in charge and who isn't. I think it's a really fascinating movie that's really worth rewatches just to see what exactly is going on here. Who who has the upper hand? Is there an upper hand in this relationship? Or is it all one long, interesting relationship game? I, I think it's a fascinating movie. Yeah, and I'll save some thoughts on it for later. But uh, yeah, uh, agreed. It is it is fantastic. And then you start wondering what the hell is up with all the mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I have seen Barbarian Sound Studio by Peter Strickland. And Which is great. Yeah, I, I really loved that movie. It helped really break up my spooktober uh last year and uh yeah I, I would love to see duke of burgundy as well uh my number nine is academy award winner spotlight for best picture you know i've said this before that the maddest i was at a movie in 2015 uh was uh the closing text of this movie and oh, i think yeah and i think it earns it uh really well 
the performances are fantastic. This was one of those best picture winners where I don't think it was my number one pick. Uh, we'll talk about what my number one pick would have been later on. But it was like, this is fine. This is kind of important. It's done perfectly. It's a great kind of all the president's men type, you know, press drama. I, I should say I watched this on a double feature with uh, the big short, and that was a great way to just be furious when you, when I went to bed that night. Nice. Yeah, I what does it say? It's, uh, Spotlight is also on my list. Uh, also Spotlight on mine, is so. one of those. Uh, Spotlight's one of those movies where uh, I assumed that when I was watching it, I assumed that it would just be one of those um, droll journalistic dramas where you're like kind of just following the facts as they go and. By the end of it, you're like, why didn't I just read, like, a Wikipedia article about this? Uh, the performances in it are really, really thrilling. And it is a movie that came – it sort of came out in an inconvenient time in some regards. Uh, prob- not so much for the victims. For the victims, this is something that they're going to have to live with their whole life. But for the dialogue, it came out in an inconvenient time where people weren't really talking about the uh, church abuses, the the rapes. And uh, I watched this, and then I watched a uh, fantastic movie by Bobcat Goldwaite about a comedian that was uh, sexually assaulted, was raped by a uh, you know priest, and uh, at the, around the same time. And so for that like whole month, I was just thinking about this over and over. I couldn't get these stories out of my head. So Spotlight um, was a movie that managed to I watched like two or three times because it was just so emotionally compelling at every turn, and it refused to be a sort of like stayed by the facts drama that I expected. And it's on my list, uh, but much further up. So I'm going to hold off my thoughts on that one. All right, sounds good, Peter. You're number nine. Uh, my number nine is The Martian. Um, The Martian is a movie that I think was a breath of fresh air for a lot of us because it is a space drama. It is a sci-fi movie. It is, uh, you know, an adventure movie that came out at a time when I was so fucking burnt out by these like Age of Ultron and Star Trek movies where it's just like big spaceships blowing each other into like metal shards and all these like robots and orcs getting smashed in the head like it came out at this perfect time where it was like it was like a space epic that was trimmed down to its rawest elements and all that it was was just a like amazing human story of survival and it also came out uh, a little bit after the revenant and i liked the revenant but this made me like the revenant less because it seemed to be saying more about like man's you know push for survival and and all that it seemed to be saying a lot more with that kind of story so yeah and it's uh, it's it's not on my list it actually it was on uh, it was my number 10 on the one i submitted for the 2015 i really i still really like the movie just some other stuff uh snuck its way on there but you know, I remember in in our in the Dissolve group when it was nominated for comedy best comedy musical at the Golden uh, Globes, uh, a lot of us were joking about it, including myself who hadn't seen the movie. And when I watched it, I'm like, oh, this is both a comedy and a musical. <laughs> yeah, it, it honestly that much as I'll rip on the Golden Globes as being really weird in some of their nominations, it kind of fits that category. Yeah, very well. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would, but it is uh, – besides being, you know, a fist pumper and a stand on your seat and uh, it's – and just kind of a bunch of smart people trying to figure out problems, it's also extremely funny and has some great little musical sequences. 
Yeah, it's not anywhere near my top ten right now. I, and I'm looking at my full list for the year, all 88 films. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I really need to move that movie up. It's Whenever it comes on HBO, I will sit and watch at least probably like half an hour. Because it's just so damn watchable. Yeah, it works in chunks, too, because you're solving problems at a time. So yeah. it's it's destined to be a TNT movie that you end up seeing uh, in part a uh, hundred times. And it's oh, an insanely sure. good cast. Yep. Oh, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's fantastic. Moving along, Joseph, you're number eight. Number eight, the neo-Western, whatever the hell you want to call it, and the second appearance of Kurt Russell on our list, Bone Tomahawk. Ooh, good pick. Uh. Yeah, that's, that's on my list, too. <laughs> One of the most grisly westerns I've ever seen, and I'm not even sure I want to talk that much about it, because I'm sure there are people still catching up on this thing. It's insane, and it's weird little story of going after some uh, kidnapped people from a small town on the border. And it's just so damn good. If, if you only know Matthew Fox from Party of Five, you got to see him in this, because he is doing something weird and different that is just great. Or lost. Or, or lost. Uh, Sorry, that came yeah, to mind too. <laughs> <laughs> this is not on my. It's not on my list, but uh, I did love this movie. One of the one of the I think rare movies that uh, is a, both a western and a horror and gets both perfectly. Yep, and it has one of the grisliest sounds I've ever heard in a movie. A fart noise. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is. Yep, yep that it sound. Is, it, it is a movie. I'll pipe it in is. right here. <laughs> It is a movie that is simultaneously grim and yet doesn't lose its sense of humanity and its sense of humor. Mm -hmm. uh, like the opening scene is one of the most nihilistic, dark pieces of horror filmmaking I've seen in a long time with two characters just executing uh, dying people. Um, and I won't really spoil like like Joseph said, I won't really spoil the how the plot is determined. It has nothing to do with that opening scene. And it, from that moment on, I was like, this movie will go anywhere. And that sort of keep you on your toes uh, tension is something that I look forward to in horror movies. So uh, yeah, that made my list as well, just much higher. All right, my number eight is a movie I know Peter has seen recently. It is uh, a little movie from Astron Six called The Editor. Um, which we've definitely talked about on the show before. Some people call it a parody. I would not necessarily call it that. It's kind of a send up, a pastiche, uh, you know, a loving homage, whatever you want to call it, where it functions as both a making fun a little bit of the late 70s, early 80s psychedelic horror films, uh, giallo movies, while uh, also functioning as a very scary movie. I the the visuals are gorgeous. The the acting is hilarious. I I absolutely adore this movie. I'm going to ask you about this because I was completely unaware of this movie. I'm looking at it in Letterbox right now. Is Paz de la Huerta in on the joke? I do not know as, a, as an actor. <laughs> I don't know either. She she towards late in the movie, uh, and obviously I don't think they shot the movie chronologically. But assuming they did, some of the later scenes where she's more heightened, uh, I think that maybe she's in on the joke. She's legitimately funny in the movie, even though like her as a person yeah. makes me un like viscerally uncomfortable. She's really really consciously funny in the movie. Okay, I'm putting that on so, my watch list for right now. And it feels easier to recommend than um, I like their movie from 2001 or 2011 called Father's Day. But this feels easier to recommend to someone 
than that movie because that movie is a dive off a very steep cliff and if you are not on board with both their aesthetic and how far they're willing to go it's you're gonna get a little bit hurt father's day is about a demon who literally rapes people who are fathers to death doesn't rape women yeah to death (laughs) doesn't rape women doesn't rape just normal guys rapes only men who are fathers fathers if you don't no. find that at least morbidly morbidly funny or morbidly strange on some level, the movie's not for you. All right, let me ask you this. Is the editor, like Father's Day, a trauma release? No. Yay! Okay, now, I, now I'm on board with the editor. Well, I was going to say, is, uh, Father's Day is um, it was just distributed by trauma, so it doesn't have any of their real, like cheapo just like we don't give a shit styling to it father's oh, day is very okay. lovely put together i would recommend and i'm blanking on the name joseph there's a short film that accompanied their manboard movie i think it was called like psychop or something like that it's like a five minute short film that you can watch on uh youtube it is fucking hilarious and kind of sums up what they're doing really well so uh the editor is light years ahead of this of that whatever that short film's name is i will pipe it in uh but uh uh biocop biocop yes uh so if you watch biocop and go oh my god this is for me their aesthetic their jokes um and the way they're setting stuff up it's a trailer for a fake movie that they never made unfortunately uh watch that i'd recommend that to anyone listening uh if if you're like oh that was interesting i like that i would like to see something like that uh but more complex about giallo movies uh that the editors for you all righty i also um, highly recommend the editor it didn't make my 10 but i highly recommend it peter you're number eight my number eight is we are still here uh Ooh. it is sort of a movie that i love uh for its promise but also for what it is director i think you say his name is ted Giogan. um maybe it's Giogan. i don't know uh his director uh came out with a out of sort of like larry fessenden's crew and made this uh Big, bloody, evil, dead style uh, killer ghost movie uh, about this haunted house and the loss of a son and such. And I don't want to say too much about it, but it's uh, sort of my ideal B movie because it's a, it's it's self-aware, yes, but it's trying to do something with its its this patina of, of um, cheapness that it, it might have. And uh, I think it's just like a visually great looking movie i think that it's uh really really creepy very few movies actually scare me this one gave me some willies uh and for that it uh earns a spot in my top 10 of the year uh it's it's not in my top 10 but man barbara crampton is fantastic in that yeah i really liked i really liked it too um i I think i think on this list it's somewhere in the 30s um that I, i still thought it was excellent um just yeah just a lot of good stuff released this year and every year. And it has one of the creepiest basements in a movie ever. Joseph, we have to cu- have you over sometimes. <laughs> Boy, do you have a creepy basement? No, I sure. <laughs> We're remodeling. We'll down there. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, number seven for me. Number seven for me is Sicario. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve's uh, movie about uh, Emily Blunt, a young female FBI agent who gets in- mixed up in a secret CIA operation to deal with uh, drug 
gains coming across the border from Mexico to the U.S. I think it's fantastic. It's a great piece of work. Um, I've started to delve deeper into Villeneuve's work. Uh, he had the arrival this year. I recently saw on Sundays, which is great. Did you have you seen Enemy? Fant- I'm sorry. Have you seen Enemy? Uh, I have not. Oh, it's so good. I still have Enemy and Prisoners uh, to catch up on. Uh, he's a fantastic director, I think. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting more into his work. Great yeah. movie. Yeah, Sicario was in my top 20. Uh, not in my top 10, but it is fantastic. Yeah, Sicario is awesome. Uh, my number seven is uh, Ex Machina, uh, the artificial intelligence movie. It is... Smart, it is scary in that kind of cold artificial intelligence, our robots actually thinking uh, way. Um, it's got a great ending. Uh, not to not to belabor the, the point or talk talk about too much, but like the three cast members, Oscar Isaac, uh, Alicia Vikander, I believe is how you pronounce it. Vikander. Vikander. Yeah. Vikander. Uh, and uh, Domhall Gleeson. That's a couple couple great pronunciation ones for Aaron there. Um, <laughs> D- Donal. It's like Donald without the D. Donald. Donal. Okay. Donal. Uh, but no, all three are all, all three are great. Um, I love where the story goes. Um, I love what it leaves you with at the end of the day. You know, any movie that leads to I want to talk about this with someone right now uh, is going to be pretty high up on any list. And uh, yeah, I love that movie. Yep, that's also on my list, and it's basically it's exactly what I want sci-fi to do, where it's satisfying as just its core story, but the ideas that it sort of uh, drops in passing are so interesting that I'm thinking about the movie for like a week, two weeks, three weeks afterwards. Charlie Booker of Black uh, Black Mirror fame would have loved to have written anything this potent and you know face punchingly awesome. <laughs> okay, not in my top ten, but I probably could have bumped it a little higher. <laughs> All right, Peter, you're number seven. Number seven, what we do in the shadows. Uh, Taiko Waikiki is going to be, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced either, but I hope it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to be directing uh, a movie that will be in my uh, top 10 of 2016 list next year. Um, <laughs> Can't wait to talk about it then. <laughs> but uh yeah th- yeah uh, it's just a hysterically funny movie it's a great uh horror comedy in the sense that there are scenes that actually like startle you and how creepy they are and uh it's just a great character piece all, uh, the way all the character sort of relationships wrap around one another is uh just the stuff of great comedy it, it's yeah. i think it's one of the best comedies that has been produced comedy movies that's been produced in the past decade yeah it was my number 11 it was the toughest bump off when i was updating last night uh yeah fantastic uh wow it's way too low on my list 36 that's not right at all get out (laughs) how is it only one no that's just wrong it's it's below it's, it's below ex machina Anyway, I'll fix that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fix it. I'm happy with back. my top ten. I need to go in and fix the rest of the list. Obviously, <laughs> uh, my number, my number is uh, it's me, right? Uh-huh. My number six. Okay, my number six is Carol. The uh, adaptation of Patricia Highsmith's novel, The Price of Salt, which we actually did in our podcast, Try If You Like It, you can find us on iTunes, which is a fantastic, almost forgotten novel of Patricia Highsmith, who also wrote uh, the talented Mr. Ripley novels. And I think this is a fantastic piece of work. Uh, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and the guy who everybody forgot when it came to the Oscars, Kyle Chandler. Fantastic work all around. Also Sarah Paulson. Love the movie. It's a great love story that's just... Totally complicated by it being in the wrong decade, the 1950s. 
Oh, <laughs> I totally forgot. I, I knew there was another big one that I hadn't watched. <laughs> yeah, Carol's Carol's amazing. There's a moment, uh, Joseph, I'm sure you remember this, but there's a moment in that movie where it, it threatens to become a more traditional Patricia Highsmith novel <laughs> where she points the gun at the at the guy following him, following her. Yep. And she and then eventually she just like puts the gun down or throws the gun and you're like, oh, this is where uh, they decided that this wasn't going to become a crime movie and it didn't need it. It didn't need any sort of like third act bloody Bonnie and Clyde style to murderous a murderous couple goes on the road like but, but they this didn't is, need that. But this is exactly how it happens in the novel. That's the great part. Patricia Highsmith went away from that story. Yeah, exactly. It's a great. It was a, an amazing choice the, to to just be like, oh, I, it's a Patricia Highsmith novel. They just showed us a gun. They're gonna have her shoot somebody, <laughs> and then to have it just be the moment where Carol's just like, no, I'm not going to. And yeah. then the movie it, it falls under her sway, and uh, she gets to she gets rewarded for it. Arguably, in the ending, I love I, I I love that movie. All right, that's yeah. that's on HBO on demand. I can't. I knew there was a big one that I hadn't watched, and I'm like, that'll be fine. Sure, no one will have it on their list. I'll be embarrassed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do need to watch that one. Um, Sorry if we spoiled anything, but the movie the movie works despite fucking. It's 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 a, it's a character piece. It doesn't really need right, and it looks us. amazing for a character piece. Yes, yes. All right, guys, I'll watch the movie that I meant to see already. <laughs> um, number my number Twist six. My number six is a movie called Spring. Um, I don't know if either of you have oh. seen it. Nice choice. I have that one spot above Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. It is like everything I want in a movie. Uh, it is. It has some weird H.P. Uh, Lovecraftian elements. It takes the story to weird direction. It's kind of a mystery that slowly gets revealed. Um, and it has two characters uh, who are falling in love that I really rooted for. I can't remember... The last time I uh, rooted for a couple on the silver screen as much as these two, um, I was so invested in their relationship. Um, and the fact that it's kind of all taking place around this weird uh, eldritch horror, I, I just think it's a remarkable accomplishment. I, I think it works as a horror movie, as a great uh, example of independent cinema, and as a love story. It is – if you have not seen it, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Yeah, it's it's a real nice piece of work, and it's also a great example of how to do independent filmmaking without getting too technical into it. There is a drone shot in that movie that I'm uh, like, yeah, they just they just tossed a camera on a drone and flew it around, but it looks goddamn great. Yep, Joseph, you stole the words directly out of my mouth. The drone photography in that movie is amazing, and it showed yeah. me like what indie horror could be like in the next decade. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you're number six, Peter. Number six is Spotlight. Already uh, waxed on that one, so we can move on. All right. All right. Uh, number five is, coincidentally for me, my other 1955 in New York movie, Brooklyn. Sears Ronan, fantastic in it. It's a great love story, and I got really weepy during this movie because my grandparents came over to the U.S. in the 1920s, uh, late teens for one of them. Uh, they are a few years behind the story of somebody coming over from Ireland in the 1950s, but I'm like... This is the kind of story, this is my grandparents, who uh, met in Chicago, though, but th the same basic idea. I'm like, this is totally the story that I was ready for of immigrants coming over who it's hard to get home, but they could get home, so they still had a bit of a connection back home. 
And I'm like, oh, this movie is so great. And besides that, it's just charming as hell at times. It's our second appearance of Donald Gleason, who is in Ex Machina. Uh, not the biggest role in this, but he's also very good. Uh, Sirsa Ronan, great in this. And it's also just a beautiful movie. It's a, it, I think it's a real fantastic piece of work. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Uh, didn't make my didn't make my top twenty, but uh, near the edge on that one. It was uh, yeah, just charming and uh, wonderful. And I do think she ends up with the right person at the end. I agree. Yep, I uh, I, I adored that movie. That movie uh, made me weepy at the end as well, and I don't get weepy very often. Uh, <laughs> so that one uh, deserves, just like I was talking about, We Are Still Here make, actually scaring me. Uh, those sort of emotional moments really cut through the noise for me in, you know, particularly awards season when you're watching everything. Uh, my number five, super on brand, uh, It Follows. I don't, even, I don't even know what to say about it at this point. I've probably listened to that soundtrack more than I've listened to uh, any other film soundtrack, and that's not even getting into how wonderful the performances are, how scary it is. I love uh, breaking down what the, the, the allegorical aspects are. Uh, the ending works for me. I know sometimes it doesn't for other people. It is just, uh, yeah, one of the best horror movies I have seen in the last 10 years. It's fantastic. I'm just exactly outside of my it. top ten. That's a, that's a number fourteen, <laughs> right behind Room for me. Holy fuck! This was a good year for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I know. <laughs> almost all. I would say I, I made a top one hundred movies of all time, and 2015 has like seven or eight spots in it, which I think is pretty pretty impressive for a second. Uh, well, and Peter refuses uh, to watch any movie made before 2009. Uh, 2010, but yeah. No, I, th I thought it was directly related to the election of Barack Obama, and you're like, the world has changed. We're not watching anything from the old era. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should I should note that my best of uh, my top 100 movies list is only filled out to about 57 movies. Gotcha. I've only seen 57 movies. All great. <laughs> uh, my number five is very much in keeping with Joseph's last entry. Um, when my parents or my grandparents came to America, they were on a Mission Impossible <laughs> and they came from a rogue nation. Uh, and that's why Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is in my uh, my top ten. I had no fucking idea this movie was going to be rated so high. But um, how far down my list is it? Jesus. <laughs> it's in my top 20. Uh, it's really good. 60 67. Jesus, Joe. Sixty-seven. Wow. Uh, Brooklyn would probably crack my top, my top twenty or thirty. But uh, it was insane. It's Rogue Nation is is I put it so high because of uh, surprise, how surprised it was by it. And I loved Ghost Protocol, so I shouldn't have been that surprised. But uh, I think it's sort of exactly what genre filmmaking should be at that budget level. It's hopeful. It's not grim. It knows how to emotionally manipulate you when it needs to. It's got a really great set of characters. Like I, yeah, it's everything I wanted. Yeah, I. Uh, it's my favorite Mission Impossible movie, and I like four out of five of them. So uh, that's saying a lot. Although I will say the title not as fun to abbreviate as Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protes? Ghost Protes, man. <laughs> I think about that once a week. Just all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, I'm Ghost Proting right now. I wanted to like it more. There's good stuff in it. I just don't think it's up to the level of, like, uh, uh, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protes? It's a, it's a decent Say it, movie. Joseph. Ghost Protes. Thank you. Rebecca Ferguson kicks major ass oh, in yeah. it. I just, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's okay for me. It's a, it's a good movie. 
believe me, there's a lot of good shit in this lower third of my uh, of my movies. I, I don't you don't reach you know absolute crap up until about the eighties in my list. Yeah, exactly. Okay, number four. Uh, oh, now number four, we're going into the depressive era. Depression? Whatever. Son of Saul, a Holocaust drama in 1944 Auschwitz, which is filmed almost entirely from kind of the perspective of the lead guy, played by a game named, uh, I'm going to completely mess up his name, uh, Getza Rodrig, who is a Hungarian poet who lives in New York, hasn't acted since like the 80s, I believe, and this is his first acting job in a long time, as he is trying to figure out how to bury his son, who has died in Auschwitz. It's a ridiculously good movie. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, you're going to think, oh, why do I want to watch this depressing thing just for the gimmick of it's all from his perspective? Because you're basically following along the back of his head for like 90% of the movie or a profile as he's talking to somebody. It's just really well done. The acting is fantastic. It's it's a great piece of work. I heard that a lot of pe- it reminded a lot of people of, and maybe it was even inspired by, uh, third-person shooter camera angles. Uh, uh, I can I can totally see that. Yes. Yeah, I I have not seen I have not seen that yet either. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Also, because I was like, this is so like safe white person in America. But I just I I just didn't watch it one day because I was like, huh, do I watch this? Will definitely depress me for the next week. Or yeah, but, it feels uh, like a good movie to watch when you're already in a shitty mood because I. <laughs> it, it, it's it's not that it, those movies aren't good, but it, you have to be in a very certain mood. I think like, okay, this is going to ruin my night. Am I ready for that? Yeah, I headed out from the library for like two weeks before I finally like, okay, I'm going to watch this. That's like when Netflix released back when they were just a disc based service, and they said that the movie that people kept the longest was Hotel Rwanda, and that sounds about right to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, my number uh, four is the Duke of Burgundy, uh, which uh, Joseph already talked about. Peter Strickland's uh, movie of two uh, lovers going through a tough part in their relationship and the way they kind of slowly reveal uh, how that relationship works, surrounded by a lot of never commented on uh, bizarreness is... That's that movie knew what was in my heart and what I wanted to see because uh, there's nothing I like more than like well done Lynchian touches like foisted upon this other movie that's being uh, that's going on. So, yeah, I, I loved it. Awesome. So uh, my number four is It Follows. Uh, there's been enough ink on why It Follows is awesome. Uh, I even love the uh, third act shift in it yep. that a lot of people um, complain about. I uh, have my own reasons for loving it, and this is one of those movies that I ended up, like, defending to the death uh, very often with people that were annoyed by it. But also, this is a movie that I showed to people, like, multiple times because it sort of had a uh, evangelical effect on me. Sort of uh, this movie and Possession, actually, in the past year were the two movies that I just kept showing to people. Um, I like that. uh, There's two things that Peter said that was very interesting is one – He's on a podcast explaining a movie he loved and then uh, described his love of It Follows because, quote, he has his reasons. So, <laughs> so Peter's been through some shit with this movie is what I took away from that. <laughs> but, yeah, it is. It, this this movie is like built to be evangelical about. Um, and I, the third act shift completely worked for me. I don't um, or let me put it this way. It's not that I don't understand the criticism. I just don't see what they're looking for if if that's not 
a good way for the story to go. Like, I get what they're yeah. saying, but unless they wanted the movie to go nowhere, which maybe they do, um, I'm not sure a better way to kind of fulfill the promise of the first two acts than what happens on screen. Since the movie's not in my, in my top ten, I'll just uh, hijack here and say two things that I, that I loved about It Follows. One, the look of it is great. It's filmed extremely well. There's some shots in there that are almost flashy, but not too much, where you're straining in the background to try and figure out, is one of them the follower, or are they all just normal people? It, it oh, yeah. builds up a mood perfectly. And the thing that I really loved about It Follows is it's a monster-slash-horror-slash-slasher film where the friends don't abandon each other at the first hint of trouble. They actually band together and try and help the, their friend that's in need. And I love that because a lot of slasher films are so weirdly amoral. People going off on their own, just letting somebody, you know, languish in a closet or something. And it drives me nuts. This movie, no, that that's not where this movie is going. And I love that. Yep. It, it also, I think that that relationship that you just mentioned is a big reason why the third act works because it reminds me of, you know, I guess actually <laughs> what came out later this year, Stranger Things. Uh, and it reminds me of uh, a lot of those sort of like kids on adventure style movies that I am such a sucker for, except for the Goonies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's because Goonies sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. This is the Goonie suck squad. <laughs> Joseph, note your number three. Number three, a much cheerier mood, Inside Out, which I am sincerely thinking now is probably one of the best children's movies of the last 20 years. I'm really going to come down on this. I think this movie is a beautiful, I mean, of course it's emotional, but appropriately emotional movie that's just nails being the particular age that uh, Riley, the main character, well, not the main character, but the emotions are, but the head that the emotions are in, just really nails the particular age that she's in and what she's headed for and the kind of emotions that are going to be primary in her head in that time, which sounds kind of preachy, but it's also just so funny and it's emotional and it works great. And it's also oddly a great adventure story inside of Riley's head. I, I just love this movie so much. It, I, I can't praise it enough, really. It could very well have been my number one if I was in a different mood last year, but number three is quite what it deserves. Uh, yeah, I will talk about that movie shortly, so I will pass for now. All right. Uh, my number three is Mistress America, the Noah Baumbach movie. Really? Yeah, It. Uh, I, I would actually rate Francis Ha higher, which I think was like my number two movie of the year that that came out. But this is a close second. I... I love Greta Gerwig in this. I and the last half of this movie, when it turns into this uh, weird uh, manners farce, uh, is probably the hardest I've laughed at any movie that came out in 2015. I think the characters all work. I think it is so so funny. It is. I I'd say it's a it's an absolute masterpiece. I am missing the Noah Baumbach gene. Never got around to Mister America. So pursuant pass on. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I love Francis Ha, but I haven't seen uh, Mistress America, and I don't generally like uh, Noah Baumbach, but the fact that I liked Francis Ha probably means I would love Mistress America. Uh, I will note I love Greta Gerwig. I just like her and stuff that Noah Baumbach hasn't done. While We Were Young is one of my least favorite movies of this year, and I like um, I like Squid and the Whale. I do like Greenberg. 
Um, and I like, um, uh, but I think that, I think his two masterpieces are, uh, Francis Ha and this, and this is much different than any of his other movies. I don't know whether that means, uh, good things or bad things for you. I, I was not prepared for where this movie was going in its second half, and it is, uh, the first half is really good, but if this movie sustained what's going on in its second half for the entirety of the movie, I would probably call this my number one movie of the year, and, uh, that is saying something considering what my number two and my number one are going to be. All right, I'll put it on the list. Peter, your number three. My number three is uh, Ex Machina, which I have already uh, <laughs> over-talked earlier. Uh, I think that it's, if you like Black Mirror, uh, you would love this. It's the sort of thought-provoking uh, th- thought-provoking sci-fi that we need more of, adult sci-fi that we need more of. Also, well, it's funny. It's very funny. It is funny. Yeah. That dance scene gets a lot of press uh, for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've got the number two. My number two is Spotlight, which I think is just a goddamn brilliant <laughs> movie. Um, and there's only one thing that annoys me about Spotlight and has nothing to do with the movie. Liv Schreiber should have been the one nominated for it. His performance yeah. as their editor is just great. It's understated. It's funny. It's just pitched at exactly the right level. It, it, I think it's a great movie, and I am very happy that it got the attention it deserved. Also, like Aaron, God damn it, made me angry at the end. Yeah, wanted to start punching oh, things, yeah. fuming, fuming. Oh. I, I, and I honestly think one of the best scenes of the year: Rachel McAdams on the porch talking to that ex priest. Yep, that scene is great. So, I, I oh, the yeah. last thing I want to do is derail this any more than. This segment has turned out to be, even though it's been fantastic. Have either of you guys seen "Deliver Us from Evil" the documentary? Uh, yeah, I, I saw it back not. in the de- back in the day when it was like really punchy and people really didn't want to watch it because it was super uncomfortable. Yeah, the wounds were still very fresh. So I could not help but think of that documentary because it was kind of the same blase attitude from a real priest for almost the duration of an entire documentary. What? Uh, Rachel McAdams is going through on the porch. So, if you want to sustain your anger after, um, oh, that's the one Spotlight. about Grady. Oh. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. It, you definitely have to have the stomach for it because it is uh, something else. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those. It's, it's one of those. Uh, I think also last year I watched a lot of these, just like movies about the failure of justice, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's one of those movies where you watch and you're like, huh. Nothing will ever be all right again. Cool. Get ready because I have a feeling they're going to be making a lot more of those movies over the next four years. Uh, My number two is my number two is Inside Out. Uh, I agree with Joseph. It is an absolute masterpiece. I would say uh, from a Pixar perspective, number two only to Wally, um, but they would be in really close competition. I could I could easily see myself changing that. I would say number two to Toy Story two, but that's a personal taste. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Well, I mean, they they, they have a run of like f- five, six, seven, eight movies that I would call absolutely perfect. Uh, but right. there is something too when I saw this. My daughter had just turned one, so I was. Uh, not only is it a fantastic movie. And it's funny, I was a puddle for, like, from the the word go on this movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, every time I've tried to watch it since, there is a, there is a lot uh, going on that is, uh, you know, very 
personally resonant beyond just the uh, the amazing story uh, that Pixar the Pixar uh, tells. Yep, I'll have to get a, get around to that one and get a daughter. I, uh, I was going to say for some no, <laughs> and get a daughter. I'll have to pick one of those up. Yeah, <laughs> really get the full experience. No, obviously, I probably would have. I have to pick one of those up. Jesus, I'm not getting you bail. (laughs) Hey, Joseph, he's in the same city as you. There's nothing I can do on short notice. (laughs) All right, Peter, what's your number two? Bone Tomahawk. Already talked about how it is amazing. All right. Uh, Number one, let's see if we can have the trifecta. I'm pretty sure it's going to be that, but let's see. Joseph, what is your number one? Uh, You know, I actually looked at this for about ten minutes tonight, trying to think, is this still my number one? Do I need to move something up? Am I just going along with the crowd? No, fuck it, it's Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Yeah, that's my number one. That's my number one as well. (laughs) Zoom, zoom, it's a a great action movie that's about something. It's about a lot of things, and it pulls it off in all of them incredibly well. How the hell does it do it? I just don't know. Um, you know, we we talk about this on the show, and we've talked about it recently uh, about that feeling when you were thirteen or fourteen, and watching some of these movies that are going to be your all time favorites for uh, for the first time. Like for me, examples would be like the, the first two Alien movies, or RoboCop, or, or when I saw the thing for the first time. But and you're like, this is everything I've seen is amazing. I haven't really seen anything like this on screen before. This is going to be not just a uh, favorite movie of mine, but like a template that I judge similar thematic movies to going forward. The fact that that could happen to me at the age of 32 blew me away. It is. Yeah, it is not just my favorite movie of the year. It was like instantly. This is on my top 25 of all time. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's the fuck. What is there? What is there to say that hasn't been already said about the? I think far and away the best movie of the year. Like I would, I somehow think this transcends a five star scale. And it was a movie that, like, I think a lot of us were very skeptical about. Oh, completely. Cause, yeah, because it's just got all these red flags. Like, yes, it's got a great cast, but like, it's got all these red flags. It was a director returning to a series after decades. <laughs> it was, it was uh, this sort of. Uh, action movie with a message which sometimes can go very very wrong uh, it's uh what else like this, this movie just is is it, it seems to be a rehash dash like a soft reboot of the of an older version of this movie like oh you you couldn't get the previous actor now you got to replace him with this other guy yeah and my expectations were still fairly high because it looked pretty and also my I don't set my expectations super low ever about stuff like except for like Transformers movies like the obvious trash but uh, still managed to like just double over my expectations over and over and over again as it was going on and I saw it multiple times in theaters and that was another movie I was just like if you haven't seen this I need you to go I know you never see movies in theaters go see this fucking movie in theaters like yeah I'm actually super excited in a weird way for the dissolve poll this year in a way that I wasn't as much last year. Uh, and yes, I was thinking about that today and I know exactly w- what you mean. Yeah, because ahead, it, it was like, obviously Mad Max Fury Road is going to be number one. How else are other movies going to rank? And that's telling when there's just this. Yeah, obviously this is going to be uh, the best movie of the year. It just it blew everything out of the water. And which stuff like Inside Out would have easily taken that in a walk any other year. Yeah, I mean, God, it's I, I just don't even know what to say about it. It's like Peter said. I mean, it's like 
it's just so good on so many levels. What the hell else can you say about it? It hits the ground running from the very first 30 damn seconds. Oh my god, the sound design in that movie, it's just like this like a roar of thunderous engines is just like it, it taps into some I'm not even a car dude and it tapped into some part of me where I was like, I think I'm a car dude now. <laughs> like, it's a transform it's I think it's like a transformative experience. You're like I you're like uh, uh, semi trucks are cool now. What's going on? And honestly it make, it it brings me up an interesting point, which we can go out on if we want to. Um not to try and host the podcast here, but <laughs> I am really curious what the hell Nicholas Holt's career in his 30s is going to be. Because he had his teen career, he he started out in About a Boy, which I love him in. Then he uh, became a bit of a teen idol on Skins, then he was doing the X-Men movies and this. What is he going to do in his 30s? I think he's going to kill a man. I think he's going to murder somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so angry, he's not going to be able to repeat a performance this good. I think he's – I honestly think he's going to – he's living the high life right now. I think he's he's living the dream. He just doesn't have the recognition yet, but like it'll it'll get there. I even liked him in this not great movie that – actually, people fucking hated it, but I kind of liked it. Uh, is this like sci-fi western that came out a couple years ago? Oh, I thought you were going for Warm Bodies. Yeah, no, I didn't really like Warm Bodies. Um, but uh, it's called Young Ones, and it's this like – uh, sci-fi western that's mostly just like visually pretty to me but even in that i was like he is trying out these crazy new filmmakers that that are testing his abilities as as an actor and man max fury road was like a movie that i think nobody recognized him in yeah how like, do i not know young ones which has michael shannon nicholas holt and l fanning i've never heard of it People, it got really, really bad reviews, but I, it's got a 47 on Metacritic, but I really liked it as like a sort of like cheapo B movie. It feels like a spaghetti Western, if a, a guy who just made spaghetti Westerns one day, they're like, now your spaghetti Western has to be a sci-fi. <laughs> and then and they threw a bunch of other shit in it. Directed um, by Gwyneth Paltrow's brother, Jake. Jake Paltrow. Really? He's the best Paltrow. Uh, re- <laughs> real, real quick, do you have a worst movie of the year? Oh, me? Uh... I, I definitely do. Uh, I'm just going down to the end of my list to confirm it. Yes, it was Jupiter Ascending. May, really? Man, you just had... Yes. That's a whole discussion we're not going to get into. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll do it on the show, and you can come back, because that is... Was my, my number two is uh, Victor Frankenstein. Is that better? Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested to hear why Jupiter Ascending was the worst movie of the year to you. I just... I think Jupiter we, Ascending is an absolute mess from beginning to end, except for one very small portion, and that's the interstellar bureaucracy scene, which is hilarious. Joseph loves bureaucracy. <laughs> if you take anything away from this. The rest of the movie, my God, it's bees and wolfmen and boots. And I love the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis going into full-on crazy mode. That's fantastic. It's great. This movie is not good. Of course you love bureaucracy because you are a part of the democratic machine in Chicago, Joseph. Like, you <laughs> love it so much. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, I haven't seen Jupiter Ascending. My, uh, my worst movie of the year is a movie called Max. Which is also like my worst movie of probably the last five years. It's not that that was a bad movie. It's that I uh, find it offensive on every level and physically hate it. Oh, the dog movie. It is the yeah the the pro military uh, dog movie for people that hate dogs. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's so bad, and so many good act like Thomas Hayden Church. The fact that he was condemned to that, like at one point, a gun is pointed at the dog's head. They kill other bad dogs and by throwing them off a waterfall, and you're supposed to cheer those moments. It uh, it's all about how great the Iraq War was. Uh, it, it it is. Uh, just a literally is a, just a huge piece of garbage. And I watched it on a plane coming back from my honeymoon. <laughs> just sitting on a plane, just getting angry. This is garbage. I can't believe they're showing this to children. <laughs> um, I I don't have. I actually do not have a worst of 2015. Like I, you've only I, seen 57 movies, and they're all on your top 100 <laughs> list. N- no, like I was going through worst of the year. I'm doing it right now. It's going through worst of the year lists, and I haven't seen any of these movies. Like I either got very very lucky, or I liked like Everly made one of these lists. I really really liked Everly. Oh, that's bullshit. Uh, Everly is uh, up in my 20s, I think. Yeah, I really, really liked Everly. Like, I haven't seen any of these movies. Maybe I was just very discerning last year. Maybe I did a really good job at not watching garbage. Like, <laughs> whatever happened. Like, I, and I'm, I refuse to do what the Razzies do, where I'm just like, it was the Cobbler. Because, like, I haven't seen <laughs> the Cobbler. I th- I know it's not the Cobbler, because I haven't seen the Cobbler. It- and, and guess what, Razzies? You haven't seen the Cobbler either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those people don't watch those movies. Like, they... They just don't. And I refuse to play that game where I'm just like, it's probably the worst because I've seen other bad Adam Sandler movies. Like, I'm not doing that. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for the best 2015, because I really enjoyed this discussion. Maybe Joseph can be our reoccurring uh, guest in the same way Scott Tobias uh, shows up every year for Film Spotting's Top Ten. Hell yeah. So, this, yeah, this was a blast. So, thanks again so much for joining us, Joseph. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see you guys all next week when our January month starts proper for Motherfucking Ninja, starting with Jim Cotta with uh, Elizabeth Lundberg will be joining us the first week, followed by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990, and then wrapping up the month with Dustin Adamkoski joining us to talk about Ninja 3 Domination. Uh, have a great night, everyone. Bye. You said send me stationery to make me horny So I always write your letters in multicolors Decorating envelopes for foreplay Damn extending metaphors I get carried away on the back of a natural disaster Things with puzzle tape and the kids sticking plaster Nothing says I miss you quite like what poetry Carving your door with a Stanley knife My year As you're clinging on to the abyss So put on every winter coat that you own since my age And every minute since the count up to another awful day I cherish with fondness the day before I met you I cherish with fondness the day before I met you I cherish with fondness the day before I met you Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch and uh yeah reach out to us give us some feedback give us some support uh, suggest movies for the show all that we are also available on soundcloud TuneIn, stitcher and itunes thanks for listening